Hello and welcome to Dial F for Flanger. Um, I think I better explain the show a little bit because the, the name, you know, I thought it was self-explanatory, but people seem to have trouble with it. Uh, Flanger was my nickname that I gave myself on an episode of Waiting for Doom, the Doom Troll podcast, and Dial F for Flanger was uh, the most popular choice when I put it on Twitter as a poll. Uh, so basically, it's a chat show, and today I am talking with a gentleman called Tom Panaris. He is uh, an educator and a podcaster, and uh, yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself, Tom. Hey, thank you for having me on. First of all, this is going to be really fun. Um, yeah, so I am I am a high school English teacher over here in uh, in Virginia, in America, um, by by day. Um, I do have a couple of podcasts. Um, <clears throat> one of them is actually about literature uh, and. My friend Stella, who is also a podcaster, and I do it called Required Reading with Tom and Stella. So we look at a book every month and and uh, discuss it and decide whether or not it's required reading. That's our shtick. And then um, I also have a podcast called, called Pop Culture Affidavit, and that really is just me taking a random topic I'm interested in, in pop culture and discussing it. You know, um, and it's it really is just anything that I'm interested in. I've I've done television, comics, movies. Um, radio tv like you know all all sorts of stuff and there's a blog that goes with that but i think the thing that like you know you uh that, that you um contacted me about is another blog that i've been running for the last two years i think i started it on in january of 2020 and it's called the uncollecting mm, yes. um, and and that's basically about me kind of getting rid of some stuff so i know that's what we're going to talk about but yeah no i've been i've been collecting i've been reading comics since i was 13 um and just has been a geek since i was you know just about that young and like you know so things centered around you know movies and sci-fi and, and you know comics and even music and television and stuff you know i'm always up for talking about that stuff too so that's why i have the podcast because somebody's gonna listen to me maybe i don't know <laughs> <laughs> well yeah, let's talk about the uncollecting. So, sure. uh, you know, I think most uh, geeky people like uh, me and you, we have a tendency to accumulate and retain. And, uh, <laughs> you know, we've, we've seen things come and go and gone, oh, I wish I'd kept that. So, yeah, where where did your feeling that um, there was something wrong with uh, your uh, the way you were collecting and living and, and retaining things, where did all that come from? Um, I was... I was hitting around like the end of 2019 and I know it was around the end of 2019 because I deliberately began the blog on, I think it was on January 1st, 2020. And it was jokingly about how, um, I was going to, or, uh, or I might've been 2019. Anyway, I began it on a January 1st and, um, I deliberately did that. Cause I was saying this is like, it's, it was a new year's resolution and I was going to try to actually hold myself to it. But it, it came about because I was just looking at my comic book collection, which is not, compared to some other people, is actually not very big. I have, I'm, I'm actually looking into the closet where it is right now, and I have like 12 short boxes and a, and a short box that says currently reading on it. And a, you know, so it's, it's not <laughs> like, because I've seen pictures of that people post of their comics. And it's like their entire garage, right? So I'm yeah. I'm nowhere near. Um, and, and I've called my comic collection before, you know, years and years ago when I was still living in apartments and not a house. And I did that out of actual necessity. Like I had nowhere to put these things, right? So, um, but I was looking at it and I was I was just kind of flipping through one day and I had I had like 
at the time I still had long boxes and I have like a good, like two or three long boxes worth of comics that I had not read. Um, mainly because I had either bought them and, sh- and filed them away saying I was going to read them when I finished whatever run of a series that I was trying to collect. For instance, like uh, John Ostrander's Suicide Squad. I was doing that for a while and collected it up to the point where the only issues that I needed were the ones that were going for crazy money on eBay. Issue 23. Yeah, that sort of thing. <laughs> First Oracle. And, mm-hmm, and the last <laughs> issue, which is like really crazy hard to find. Um, Thankfully, I found those in trade, <laughs> so yeah. I I filled in the hole that way. But or, or like you know, or um, a number of years ago, I was running a professional development session at school, and it was about comics and graphic novels in the classroom. And this was this was a couple of years before it started to become way more commonplace for English teachers to 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 roll out some graphic novels as like reading choices or kind of really incorporate the more literature, literary type of graphic novels, you know, your like um, Spiegelman's Mouse or Persepolis or um, John Lewis's March and, and stuff like that. So this, this was maybe about, and then, uh, and, and I did the session, you know, and, and I was um, hanging out and talking to people afterward. And one of the school librarians from another school came up to me and said, I have, um, a ton of these comic books in my car that somebody donated to the library, but they're inappropriate for kids. She was an elementary school librarian. So there were, right. they were not, she said, I took out all the ones that were appropriate for little kids, but I have like a ton of these. And I said, well, I said, what do you want from them? She said, just take them. So I went out to her car and I, they were like, they were just like a few hundred, almost like a thousand books. And a lot of it was fairly recent, DC and Marvel, like a lot of, uh, like roughly about a hundred or so issues of Spider-Man with like the really noteworthy ones missing, um, a bunch of new 52 (laughs) DC. This, I guess, I think like when you get something like this, there, it's like an obligation that there is a random box of early nineties comics from image and stuff. Cause there was some of that stuff there. So, you know, I, got yet another copy of brigade number one. Um, and so <laughs> they just sat there and I would read a few here and there. I kept a few because they, uh, I was like, Oh, I was interested in this, but that was kind of, and I, I read some of the Marvel stuff, which, which was interesting because Marvel is kind of, especially the last maybe 15 years of Marvel is a huge blind spot for me, but then they just kind of languished there. And, I decided that, okay, I got to do something with these. Um, So I sorted through them. I put aside what I knew I was absolutely going to sell or donate or whatever. And I, and I got rid of those and I kept what I wanted to read. And I had this, and I basically said, well, I'm going to, I'm going to read all my unread comics. Um, Cause that was never a problem for me. Always collecting. And I always read what I, what I bought and, and it had just become that. And then I was like, well, I have a lot of movies I've never watched <laughs> that are in a Netflix queue right? or that are on DVD downstairs, you know, and I'm, and I'm looking and, and I'm in my, the, uh, the guest room of the house that's been converted into an office and I'm looking around and I'm like, I- I've got books on the shelves that I've never read and television seasons to get through. So I decided, well, I'm gonna make a list or at least I'm going to count them all of them up. And I counted them all up and I decided, well, this would be a cool blogging project. So I 
decided that I was going to write about all of the stuff that I had that I was working my way through. And I called it the uncollecting. And, uh, and it was the, yeah, I would started out with like 700 something comics. I'm actually with the comic books. I've actually zeroed that list. Wow. So I have read every ad. That's the only, out of all the things, like I still have like a hundred movies to watch and a ton of books to read and unlist. I have like 124 unlisted to podcast episodes. It's crazy. But with the comics, I read all the comics, the physical ones. Yeah. I have some digital ones left over, but, but the digital ones don't count be- as much to me because they're not taking up the space. Yeah. I understand. <laughs> Do you, is comics, do you consider that your number one uh, fandom, your number one passion? Mm. I would say so, um, because it's something like I've always, you know, there have only been like maybe one time where I was just kind of sworn off comics completely, and that would have been around 2007 or eight. It was like halfway through when like Final Crisis was coming out, so I don't know exactly year that was, but I do remember that was around the time where I was like I had to take a break, and part of it was because of money, and part of it was because I was just so fed up with what I was reading. Yeah. But even when I wasn't that interested in comics, I was always going to my comic store and always picking stuff up. And um, when I was a, you know, in the '90s, because I started in 1990, and Really up until about the early 2000s, it was like I was one of those people who's buying just about everything like DC put out um, for here and there when I could afford it and and like all those big events and stuff. And yeah, so it's always been my it's always been the thing I really love the most. And um, and and my interests have in comics have shifted here and there over the years, depending on, you know, what (laughs) what's out and, and what's going on or what back issues I'm interested in and. You know, so sometimes it's so so like right now I read a lot of stuff from Image and a couple of titles from DC. And, you know, I was reading Batman for years and I haven't really read Batman consistently in maybe 20 years or so. So, like, you know, it's just but I'm, I'm, the comics have always been there since I was mm. since I was a teenager. So, yeah. Yeah. And and movies, too, I think is probably in that second place there. <laughs> so. Yeah, I can I can relate because, yeah, I, I have a. um I probably got more comics than you, but I don't have the you know crazy amount that people you know show mm-hmm. on Twitter. Um, but I went through a I, I, I had two cullings in my life, and the first time was uh, when my first child was on the way, and it was like um, we were going to drop to one income, and I was pretty aware that uh, that would be fairly difficult for us. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know there was a colleague I worked with who seemed to like comics, so I he and he seemed to have a fair bit of disposable <laughs> income. So you know I got rid of. Um, you know, probably about half my collection at that point. Uh, you know, and I don't think it made a tremendous difference financially, but it, you know, it helped out and it certainly reduced our clutter next time we moved. Um, but then I, I went to another call later on, which was based on, do I want to reread this? So, uh, you know, it was, does this make me happy and is it worth my time to reconsider it and sit down and bother reading it? Um, so I got rid of some more stuff at that point. So I have a fairly curated collection. So when you said someone gave you, you know, these thousand comics, to me, that's like chucking a grenade into my collection. Yeah, exactly. Because, <laughs> uh, everything has a reason for being there. And suddenly if I own all this stuff that I didn't, you know, carefully select to be there, it's a panic inducer. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm pretty good at reading my comics too. So I have, uh, I have a reading list. I think there's five trade paperbacks that I haven't read mm-hmm. now. Um, 
and like yeah, like you, I don't count digital because uh, digital is you know you do a lot of impulse buying and you get a lot of free things when there's a crazy sale and things like that. So, and they don't take up room like they don't offend your eye unless you go in there and look at them. <laughs> um, and you know, and I am working my way through you know things that I have gotten digitally and occasionally that goes you know uh for instance all new wolverine someone gave me digital codes for that comic and i I read a few of those and it was like this is fantastic and now i own an omnibus (laughs) of that so yeah so you're uncollecting it's not you know shutting down completely it's just being you know more discerning and uh making sure that you know you get a benefit out of what you buy yeah it's almost like i feel like i'm going to be doing this in phases and the first phase is to get through everything that i had let pile up you know and because um i i was it ebbs and flows with how much reviewing i do on the blog because i get busy with work and then like I forget to post for a couple of weeks, but what I was doing was I would review it and, and, uh, I would, whatever I re- would review, I would, uh, use a, a formula that I got an old, from an old Oprah Winfrey show episode, believe it or not. Um, I actually talked about this on an episode of pop culture affidavit a couple of years ago. It was, um, keep it, sell it, donate it or trash it. And, um, and, <laughs> yeah. and it, that really works with, with, with these or, um, you know, with the unwatched movies, you know, I'll say, well, watch it or skip it, especially if it's something that was like in a, in a streaming queue, you know? Um, so, cause that, you know, I don't really need to know whether or not I need to keep that, you know, that, that movie cause it's, it's on Disney plus I can just, you know, take it off my watch list. But yeah, so that's, and that's actually been helpful with the comic books because um, when it comes to some of them, and and not, you, if you sold comic books, and the people who sold comic books like on eBay, for instance, will understand what I say. It's kind of a pain in the butt to to put mm. together the auction. Like the auction and then shipping has become a lot more expensive over the last few years than it used to be. So like I really have to weigh, do that cost benefit analysis of is it just easier for me to find somewhere to send these. Um, like donate, I've donated some that are appropriate to like charities that give care packages to soldiers. Um, I found a thrift shop near me where I just brought a short box full of stuff that was like in varying condition and some of it was halfway decent. And I was like, I said, I want 25 bucks for this. He said, I'll give you 20. I'm like, please get it out of my house. <laughs> um, or, or in some cases I was like, you know, and, and usually it's because a comic is just destroyed to the point where, cause I have, I have copies that I got out of quarter bins that were, you know, water damaged and stuff. And I'm like, well, I just, and I just throw it in the recycling bin. So I have thrown out a few comics here and there. Most of them are like stuff that was just not really salvageable. But yeah, yeah, it's it's been a it's been a kind of a nice gauge. Now I keep more than I get rid of, um, which is probably a problem. But now I'm at the point where with the comics at least I'm kind of kind of curate them a little bit. So I'm actually gonna start going through the short boxes and being like, Okay, do I really want this? And why do I want it? Mm. And in some cases, like um <clears throat> A good example for me that I think of is the series Arak, Arak, Son of Thunder from like DC in the early 80s. Yeah. I have a lot of it and I'm trying to finish the run and it's not, to my knowledge right now, it's not on like DC, the DC Infinite app, which I have a subscription to. So I'm like, I really am only going to have to be able to get that 
you know, at, like when I go to a comic convention or I find it in, in the, in the cheap bins. So that I'll hold on to, but like I have a, I have a complete run of everything Teen Titans from DC Comics Presents up to, um, just before the new 52, the new 52, the solicitation for the new 52 Teen Titans series was where I said, I don't think I'm going to read this comic anymore. And I didn't even pick it up <laughs> and I'm keeping all of, I've read through. And then I, I have, I have the sixties stuff or the seventies stuff in like showcases and omnibus editions. And I have actually all the Wolfman Perez stuff now in trade because I've been buying the trades, but I'm like, I have the actual comics and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to keep that series because that was the thing that really got me collecting, collecting. Like I, I, I fell in love with the Titans in about 90 and 91. And then I just started buying the back issues, you know? So I have, you know, um, I have DD Titans number two with Deathstroke's first appearance and I have it signed. Um, and I'm like, all right, I'll, I'm always going to hold on to that. But I'm like, do I need the Jeff Johns run? <laughs> and, you know, like, I'm like, I might be able to sell those back to my comic store. And, um, but I might, I'm trying to read through all of them first because I haven't read those in a number of years. So I like, I might kind of offload those and I always swore I'd never get rid of any of my Titans comics, but I might call that down to like just that original, those original couple of series up to the end of the Baxter run. Um, Mainly because a lot of those I actually have gotten signed over the years. And I have a bunch of signed comics that I'm like debating whether or not I want to get, you know, want to hold on to them. So that, all right, you, t you want to keep your Titans around. So how does that intersect with things like uh, Infinity Inc. and Amiga Men and, you know, things that tied into it? That's a good point. Um, yeah, so what I have the way, and this is, uh, the what I did was when I filed the Titans boxes, any of those intersecting issues, I just put behind whatever the whatever the issue that kind of corresponded of the Titan series was. So in case in the case of the Omega Men, there's actually like one or two Omega Men issues that that cross over with the book, or there's an Infinity Inc. issue, whatever. So it's like they're kind of filed in those boxes with them. Um, so I'll hold on to those in that way. Um, but uh, anything else that's you know not related i i can decide whether or not i want to keep or not so yeah i had that issue because I, I have a, a very thorough collection of starman i guess mm -hmm. um but that did a crossover with um power of shazam uh, and i think i bought you know like the first year and a half of power of shazam and then uh sort of set it aside so but when that crossover came up which was in the 30s of power of shazam i the completest in me made me get every single issue of Power of Shazam as well. <laughs> so now I have a complete run of Power of Shazam in a box. Um, and, you know, I basically file my comics based on the most important factor for me, which I think is, um, so I have a, the boxes are named after James Robinson 1, 2, and 3. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, the first two boxes are all written by James Robinson and the, uh, the third box is related to things that were written by James Robinson. So it's got Sandman Mystery Theater in it and things like that. Oh, interesting. Um, and Shazam. But yeah, I mean, there's that completer side of it. And yeah. when you went to a lot of trouble to get something or, you know, it was, um, difficult to get the last, you know, you know, say you want, you want to complete a run and there's an issue that's hard to find or you just, you can't get it in your comic store mm -hmm. and then you end up buying it on eBay and it's at a premium and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, that makes me more reluctant to get rid of it because I think, oh, well, I went to this effort to get it. Why, you know, I can't just dispose of it at this point. Um, yeah, so that factors in. We're a troubled bunch, aren't we? We are. 
I was just thinking you mentioned how you have about five trades that you haven't read. And I have I have about like 20 and a few of them are because um, they are in the case of one of a few of them, they're like essential volumes. So I'm, I have like I've worked my way through. I think I'll only have a few of the X Men Essentials left to read because uh, I have everything from unca- I have everything from X Men number one all the way up to Inferno in the uh, the Marvel Essential trades, and I've, I'm up into the middle of like the Paul Smith, not the Paul Smith run, um, the middle of the Claremont run around issue 200 of X Men, and so I still have to finish those, and then I have like all of Batman No Man's Land and trade except for the last volume, and I'm like I keep telling myself I'm gonna wait. And then I'm going to read the whole thing at once. And then I have a couple of like omnibus editions where I'm like, I just need to, I need, I need the time commitment to sit down and read that thing. <laughs> All right. Now the nerd in me has to ask, do you have the first prints of the no man's land trades or the reprints that came later? I have the more recent reprints that came later. The, okay. the spine is that stripe red and darker yeah. red. And, and it goes all the way back to cataclysm for me. Yeah, so I'm, and they're more complete than the earlier trades were. Yes, so, and for some, which I have. <laughs> yeah, and, and actually, this is, speaks to your point earlier. Um, I'm missing No Man's Land number four, I believe, and that thing is going for a premium on eBay right now and on Amazon. I'm like, why is this a seventy dollar trade? I know it's out of print, but I'm like, come on. Yeah. So, yeah. I've, I've found that with trades too. Is you know, like the Batman legacy trade, the original one was out of print for the longest time. Mm-hmm. And I paid like $50 to get an ex library copy, which looks terrible. But uh, yeah. you know, at the time it's like, Ooh, I've got it now. Now I have my, my Batman trades more complete than they were before. Yeah. Yeah. Prodigal was like that for a while. And then they reprinted it in a newer version of the nightfall trade. So, or mm. night, night's end or whatever they were calling it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, do you um, is part of what you're doing based on what will happen with your collection when you're gone? Is any of that factoring? I didn't think of that when I was first doing this, but I do. I have been thinking about it here and there, especially in light of the last couple of years, right? And <clears throat> you know, and I think of. And, and some of the other stuff I've been doing is, is we've been cleaning out rooms of the house because we want to just get rid of certain things or we're getting rid of furniture and there's a lot of crap stored in them. I'm coming across stuff that like we've owned for a, a decade or two now that got thrown in a drawer. And so that has also become part of this. Like where I found like, you know, I was like, oh yeah, I have all like my, my journals from when I was a teenager. And one of the features I do every once in a while, I, I refer to it as personal archaeology, but I go back through something that I had like when I was younger, you know, and a lot of times it's me going through these j- journals that I kept when I was like 13, 14 years old. And it's all about like this crush and a girl or whatever. And I read through them and I write about them. And then I actually get rid of the journal because <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I don't want anybody. It is. It's what it's. I don't know. It sounds like really conceited or, or whatever, but I'm just like, I don't think I want people to come across this and read this, you know, when I'm when when I'm gone. So I've been I've been it's almost like I'm liberating myself of these things because it's just not necessary. And it's like stuff that I held on to. I'm like, why have I hold, held on to this for all these years? Um, yeah, because I, I really literally put it in a storage bin and I hadn't thought of it until I found the storage bin and we were trying to clean some stuff out. So yeah, I have thought of that. I'm like, you know, and, and, you know, because I, you know, I, I'm in my mid forties and, and not would have a lot, you know, a lot of time ahead of me. 
Um, I have uh, I have family members like my, my parents are in their in their mid to late seventies, and my my father in law is in his eighties. And you do think of these things um, when you you know when when they're talking about cleaning their stuff out. And where I have friends whose grandparents or parents pass and, and part of the things they have to do is uh, they have to go through the house and, you know, like offload some stuff. And, you know, um, that can be painful. Um, it can be frustrating and it could be like, you know, like maddening. And, and, it's, and it made me think back to when my grandmother died when I was in high school and we had to clean out the house and we discovered that she'd been kind of hoarding things for years um, yeah. in a way that was weirdly secret, it was like certain rooms of the house, but the front of the house was fine. Yeah. So that sort of thing. And it was just kind of this, um, I think I was not as shocked or upset about it as like, you know, my parents, my mom, and, and then her, you know, her siblings, her, her actual kids were, but you know, you think about those things too. It's like <clears throat> when all this is gone, like I've got all this stuff and is everybody really going to want it. Am I, am I burdening? people with it um sometimes i don't think of it i don't think that far ahead but i think far ahead enough of okay when my kid moves out of the house and we're like let's downsize let's move away you know let's let's see what we want to do next how much of this crap do we want to pack up with us too so there's that too like you know that's also but that's also like, you know, that's another phase of life, too. So, yeah, that, that has come up as I've been doing this. It wasn't the impetus, but it is something that I do think of. Yeah, I always think I always thought, you know, I'm going to keep all this stuff because my kids will love it. Mm-hmm. And then your, your kids grow up and they develop their own tastes. And, you know, they're not so interested in reading a complete collection of uh, DC event trades <laughs> um, or things like that. Uh, so so then you start to I mean, I. I feel a bit better about my collection because I've got it all sort of in one spot and I've got nice, you know, Lego sets on display and, you know, and everything sort of packed away fairly neatly. Yeah. Uh, but ultimately the, the ideal scenario is that when you die, you give it to yourself as a younger man or something that would be, mm-hmm. you know, Kang like where you appear and say, here, I have this collection of really cool <laughs> things that you will want later in life. You know, that would be the ultimate, what you want to do, but it, it, you know, it's a circle and, you know, who knows what happens with stuff after after we go and you know our the things that were precious to us yeah. may not mean anything to anyone else and you know disposing of them may be a tremendous pain in the neck so yeah i think of that about my mortality and my accumulation and but uh, you know i've got 10 years on you so mm-hmm. that would you know influence that but uh, every single action figure i've ever bought as an adult i've you know kept the backing card oh wow <laughs> You know, and that's a compromise because I, I, some of them I thought I should keep them in the box, but I actually want to play with them. So, <laughs> or, you know, cut the, the plastic off and just kept it nicely. But yeah, it, it's strange. Yeah. Um, you know, some of them are cool to look at. You know, I've got Batmobiles, I've got Funko mm-hmm. Pops of special Hot Wheels cars. <laughs> I've got a couple of those. That was, um, toy collecting was never something I went hardcore into because I didn't have. I the, the around the time it really would have bit me, the buck would have bit me for it in my like maybe my twenties or early thirties. I didn't have the space and the money for it, so I think that I think I dodged the bullet there. But um, it's always been fascinating to me, and it's one of those at a convention I'll go by some of those booths and just look at the stuff, um, especially yeah. some of the vintage stuff because I don't really have many of the vintage toys. That that was one of the things that we did give away. 
um, when we were younger. And part of it's because like some of the toys that we played with, um, I like gave them to the kid across the street, like my masters of the universe, you know, the He-Man figures, the star Wars and GI Joe stuff, um, got donated mainly because like we played with it so much. We beat the crap out of that stuff. You know, like those (laughs) stuff, like by the end of it, my millennium Falcon was really falling apart <laughs> you know, because you yeah. had a lot of fun with it but then there's some stuff that um it's it's random like i have i have i have 16 editions of trivial pursuit in my house including the Whoa. one from 1982 that my parents bought <laughs> sorry i just want to bask in the irony of 16 editions of trivial pursuit yeah i know <laughs> <laughs> Wow. So yeah, and, okay. yeah. It's just like, and I'm looking because I'm looking at this board game shelf I have in this closet in my office, you know, and, and I'm like, yeah, some of the stuff hasn't been played with in a while. We probably can get rid of it, but it's not it's not doing any harm there, you know. So, so you're right. It's like you know, when comes the day to clean this out, um, I kind of want it to be. Me. I, I would really rather it be me who does the cleaning out because I. I, I this is it, but I, I live with a guilt complex for everything in my life anyway, so this tracks, but I'm like, you know, it better me than me burdening somebody with it. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my, I was lucky with my parents. They moved themselves into a sort of, uh, semi retirement, mm. um, built, building. So, um, but yeah, uh, they came from a, you know, four bedroom house and, I think they basically moved most of everything they owned into this two bedroom unit. Oh, wow. So there's, you know, there's way too much furniture in the spare room and there's, you know, bookcases everywhere and things like that. But we were very lucky that they did that for themselves, my, my sisters and I. Oh, wow. And, uh, you know, with lockdown, my, my mom actually lives in the unit on the fifth floor, um, by herself and dad has developed dementia and had a few falls mm. and things. So he's actually in the, more intensive care down uh, on the second floor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if, unfortunately with COVID, they can barely see each other now, oh, which is sucks. really weird when you think they're, they're so close together in a, a, the same building. But uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, we were very lucky that they did that. I think, cause uh, I've seen other people's, you know, parents die and it's just like, well, what do you do with all this stuff? And yeah. you know, there isn't time to assess value in a massive collection of someone else's stuff that you're, you don't know much about and things like that. So, yeah. And, and, um, just thinking about mine. So I have a younger sister and now I'm eight hours away from my parents and my sister's only a half hour. She lives a half hour away from them. And, um, they, uh, you know, they don't have as much that they, they have been pretty successful at having yard sales and, and donations and things and they'll call things. And, but it is something that pops into my head of, you know, what, what will the conversations be like if they ever do decide to downsize and, you know, go somewhere else, which right now I don't think they're going to do. Um, so it yeah. really is one of those things where the two of us are going to, you know, inherit the house and all the stuff, and then we're going to decide, okay, what are we going to do with this? And one of the things that, you know, I've, I've read articles about this as well. You know, people in our generation don't necessarily want our parents' stuff on the level that um, older generations did. You know, um, in a lot of cases, our, our parents. You know, in some cases, some families might have heirloom pieces of furniture and things like that 
that yeah. really are worth saving. But in many cases, like, you know, our parents bought, my parents have fairly nice furniture, but it's, you know, it's, it was mass produced. It was in a showroom somewhere and, you know, from like companies like Ethan Allen and stuff. So it's not, you know, it's, it's nothing that, that it's, you know, not a lot of antiques or things like that. So like you really do, you really have to make that decision of, do I want this because I actually want to use it in my house? Or is this just, you know, put this on the truck and take it to, goodwill or the salvation army or something yeah 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 or what do i even do with this yeah (laughs) yeah and and then like if you think about it in that moment when when you're the i mean i haven't this is something i know i'm going to have to do down the line but the two of us me and my sister are going to have to have that moment of like okay mom is gone like one of my parents is gone and maybe the other one is moving to a facility or something or both of them are gone and we have to do what are we going to do with the house and if it's like okay we're going to put the house in the market that's not something you want to like i, I can't imagine that you want to take forever to do that and so you really do have to kind of assess the value of things in the middle of this while you're also trying to grieve and I can imagine that, like, you know, I, I, I'm bracing myself for that being tough. You know, mm. um, I'm sure I could be businesslike and cold, but I, I, I don't know if I could do that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think we, I mean, maybe we'd need to develop some sort of uh, geek network where people <laughs> say, you know, I am nearing the end of my life and I have all this stuff. Who is interested in, you know, like I've got, you know, sketches of Doom Patrol characters yeah. and things like that, you know, and I'm sure my wife will want to keep them for sentimental reasons because she's, you know, quite a sentimentalist. But, you know, what will happen to them years from now is, you know, okay, so you've got, you know, this beautiful sketch of Rita Farr. Who's that going to mean anything to if your kids aren't interested? In, you know, where's that going to end up? And You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we need a good nerd network for people to reconnect and, you know, distribute and, yeah. I mean, I hope that my wife knows a good comic shop owner when I die and yeah. can go to him and say, okay, I think this box is worth something because Paul said it was. <laughs> yeah, we, we do because if you think about it, not, I, I'm not, not, to, not to, to downgrade anybody's comic book collection, but I don't think we're going to be that, that old man who passes away and the kids go through the, the short boxes in the closet and there's – amazing fantasy 15 and there's fantastic four number one. And there's, you know, like, like, you know, it's going to be my, um, you know, my, it's going to be my run of the nom, you know, <laughs> and, and <laughs> which, which is, you know, which is, you know, a couple of bucks of books. So you might be able to get, I don't know, 50 bucks for the whole run or something, but you know, it, it's not, so you're not, you're not going to open this up and be like, you know, Oh my gosh, you know, call, call Sotheby's and put this up on auction. So that is a good yeah. point. Like, you know, I think we really do, um, as we, as we grow older, like, you know, keep in touch with each other and just, you know, when you hit that point where you are really getting rid of everything for that reason or, or for whatever reason to say, Hey, like I've got this stuff. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's up to you how much you want to, you want, you want for it. You know, there are certain books that I have that I've, I've literally sent Professor Allen three packs yeah. of random comics where I put the middle one like an old Marvel three pack just because yeah, of like comic that's... book circle of life. Here you go. I don't want this copy of, you know, uh, 
Yeah. Alan Middleton is a great garbage disposal for things. <laughs> and he reads everything, which is really weird. <laughs> to his credit, I did find a copy. I, I had a copy of Turok Dinosaur Hunter number one, the ultimate quarterman book. And um, yeah. I found it. I found it for, I think your wife paid 50 cents for it, but I, I found it in a cheap bin and um, was going to, I think I, I think I bought it because he was covering it, and I, I was going to be on that episode. And then Bart Sears happened to be at the Baltimore Comic Con, and I still had it, so I got it signed and I sent it to him. So, so he, <laughs> he has he has he has the ultimate quarter book courtesy of courtesy of me. Um, yeah, and, and you talk about like sketches and things. I don't have I have um, I don't have a ton of that stuff. I have signed comics. Some of which I've actually auctioned off, and they weren't very expensive. Like you know, I never, I, I've never had anything professionally graded or certified or anything like that. It's the expense to do that probably outweighs the actual price, the actual value of the book. But you know, I have somewhere I was like, yeah, I can get rid of this run. You know, it was really nice meeting that artist. But you know, somebody else can have it. It's pretty cool. Um, but there's other ones that like, um, I have a copy of the Superman the Wedding album. You know the wedding issue where the direct market version was just white. Yeah. With the uh, yeah, and I've I've taken that around whenever that Superman art Superman creators from that era, and I've had like a bunch of signatures on that on that thing um, over the last few years. I'm like, I think I'm always going to hold on to that because you know that was pretty cool to collect from. Um, yeah, and then like I'm, the only sketch I actually own I got from my wife. It's a Wonder Woman sketch by George Perez. It's hanging up in her office. So. You know, um, but I've gotten a couple of other posters and things signed by people. So, like, you know, yeah, what, what, when I, when I finally go through that stuff, I'm like, yeah, I am going to have that, that episode of Hoarders where the person starts to explain, like, <laughs> why this is so important to their lives. And I'm just like, yeah. oh, gosh. <laughs> My kid does that when I try to, when we try to deep clean his room. Like, why do yeah. you need this? Well, you know, there's this one time when I'm going to blah, 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 blah. I'm like, you don't need this. So I could do it with them, but I'm like, no, me, I'm like, okay, you know. Yeah. But I've got, you know, stories of, you know, parents disposing of something that meant the world to, you know, mm-hmm. kids, you know, just to clean up. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I have the opposite problem because my son has some very good, you know, Lego sets that he, he basically builds and then, you know, bits fall off them and then he puts them in a box and I tend to reclaim them and, you know, find the bits and rebuild them and then put them on display. Nice. Uh, but I've also started busting down Lego sets and putting them back in the boxes and, you know, sealing them up so that, you know, they're there one day if someone wants to, you know, rebuild a Lego set or, you know, even just dispose of it because then it's in a box and everyone knows what's there. So, yeah, but it, it's weird. Yeah, we have a few of those because um, when, when Brett was uh, little, he had the, now this would have gone back like, seven or eight years ago. So whatever edition of the Falcon and the Star Destroyer and Adat came out. So not the $600 versions, but like the ones that were going for about a hundred, hundred dollars us over here. And we put them yep. together as the two of us, but you know, so they're on display in the basement and a lot of extra pieces are just in a huge Lego bin, like needle in a haystack search for some of these things. But um, yeah. we have all the instruction books. So maybe one day if we're ever, if we ever feel like, that we would assemble everything back together and put it in the appropriate box. But yeah, he's got some of the architecture sets too, which are pretty cool. <laughs> right. One thing I've discovered is all the uh, instruction sets are online as PDFs from Lego.com, mm. 
which is uh, interesting. But yeah, I mean, I have a, a great big box of stuff that I haven't been able to reassemble, like uh, the Bat Cave and things like that. Yeah, yeah we got <laughs> so, a few of those. You know, but yeah, it, it needs a lot of attention and digging out and finding the right bit and everything. Uh, but yeah, I, I think the ideal scenario is I want to get rid of my stuff, but you know, so I'd like to get rid of ten comics that are worth you know a reasonable amount and exchange mm-hmm. that for one comic that's worth a lot, you know, a fair you know, the equivalent amount, but on its own, and then there's less accumulation, um, but there's more value, and there's less interpretation of what's there. Like, I, I, I do have four slabbed comics, and okay. they're, they're in my collection because um, I got the opportunity to get them slapped with a friend in America, and they were things that, you know, I didn't want them just tossed aside, so I want the family to go, okay, what is this, when they see it, and it will tell them what it is, and it will have a grade on it, and you know, so one of them is like um, when I was in America a few years ago, the the fifth turtle, Jenica, had just debuted in uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from IDW. Yeah. So I, I got her first uh, comic as she debuted as a turtle. She got mutated into a turtle. Um, and I got that signed by Kevin Eastman and, and Dave Wachter, the artist. And then I got it slabbed and it's a 9.6 and it tells you exactly what it is. So, you know, I hope, and one day that character will hit the media and that comic will be worth a ton. Um, but my son will know that because it says it on the top, you know, what this is, you know. But uh, Yeah, I, I've considered a couple of the Wolfman Perez issues. Um, they are signed, but I don't have certificates for them. So I would, I would have to talk to my comic shop guy and see what, what would be the best idea to do that. Because like I said, if they're, if I'm paying more to, to, to do that, then they actually would be worth at the moment. It, I don't know if it would make a lot of sense, but, uh, well, yeah, one of the companies does certify, um, the, the, uh, autograph mm-hmm. if you send it to them. So that, that is, I think it's. CBCS, I think. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah. I'm also trying to think of other things I have that I really haven't done and that I'm collecting, but like we just have tons of. Like, I have about 800 CDs, but they're in two giant, like, carrying cases. Wow. Because, like, well, years ago we were like, one day we're going to move and we had everything. They were still in their jewel boxes. And we, I was like, you know what? I bought one of those those case logic things where it's just a giant album and we just i bit the bullet and i just recycled all the plastic boxes because it was just so so having that many cds is not that big of a deal they're just on the floor of a closet but we have between the three of us in the house because my wife and i are kids from the 80s we have an atari 2600 a nintendo a super nintendo an n64 a wii u Mm. and a Nintendo Switch. The latter two are my kids, and he's got a PC. And we also have, like, an old Game Boy and a DS. But, you know, that's all in the basement. It's plugged into the television down there, and there's just, like, racks of video games. And it's not enormous, but it's, like, you know, like, they get played every once in a while, and it's one of those things where you're like, do I really need this? It's it's, it's almost like I, I, I kind of, like, to me, I kind of, like, do because I'm bragging about it a little bit. Like I still have my original yeah. bases loaded and Zelda cartridges, but at the same time, I'm like, when the hell do I have time to play that? <laughs> so, <laughs> well, my, my kids would value that way more than any comic I own. So yeah, and I, I that's what I think too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So 
All right, so we basically need a rescue network for, you know, nerd stuff and a redistribution network. So, you know, we can find the equivalent of our younger selves and give, you know, pass things to our younger selves or somehow. We do, because, like, because the, the alternative is always, like, the classic, and, and estate sales are very kind of sad if you think about it, right? You know? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it's like... And in the at the end of the day, if you get if you get what you want for it, or you get something for it, or the what you want is just to get it out of the house, whether or not it goes to a good home is probably not that big of a deal. But like you know, I, I listen to Chris Honeywell on Garage Sale Gloat through Choo Choo Freaks all the time, and I'm like, it's almost like when when that day comes where I'm like. I need to start getting rid of those things. I want to like, but he's like, you know, out mile, hundreds of miles away. So it's like, you know, but it would be like, if we lived near here, but I'd be like, here, come over. <laughs> we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll negotiate like somebody like that almost too. Yeah. Um, I've, I've read, I've watched a YouTuber up in Canada. His, his, his name's Alex Archibald. He has a channel called Curiosity Inc. And it is, he owns it. It's the name of the antique store he owns in Edmonton. But he also, as kind of a side venture, will do the thing where he um, buys the contents of a house and, and cleans the house out and puts the stuff up in auction. And it's a really, really good, um, good video series and stuff like that. And it's just, it, it's fascinating that somebody actually will take the time and money to do that and invest and use that as an investment. And a lot of times they get return on their investment. But if I had the wherewithal, I might, I would, it's, it's something I was like, that really looks like it would be fun to do, even though like it's completely laborious and like, I would probably hate it within like half a day. But yeah, but yeah that, that sort of rescue network. I, I think that there's, and I wonder as we get older and older and more and more of our parents' generation, you know, they're, they're getting older and they have more and more stuff. If that's going to become a, it's an industry, a, a, like it's like a boutique industry now, if it's going to become more and more widespread that you're going to have people who just specialize in, in removing this crap from their house. Like that's how they'll make a living. Yeah. So <laughs> it's a delicate balance between, you know, inheriting the dream or the nightmare. It's really hard. Mm, and you can't take it with you. No. Yeah. No. Um, one observation, I, uh, you, Americans always talk about basements. Most Australians don't have basements, mm. which is, you know, a lack for us. We mostly live in bungalows and, uh, yeah, there's not many downstairs in many houses. Uh, well, low down. Yeah. It, it depends on <laughs> yeah. where you live here. If you're in a low lying area like Florida, you're not going to have a basement. Yep. Um, no. I am up where I am in Virginia is up in the mountains. Um, so, and it depends on the neighborhood you live in and stuff. Somehow places don't have basements. Some do. Um, my parents have one They're on the South shore of long Island off New York, but they're, I guess they're just enough above sea level to have one, but, and of course attics too, but. <laughs> mm. Oh, I, I just remembered too. I have the added complication that, uh, I wrote a lot of letters to comics. So, um, you know, there's, yeah, there's, uh, those issues that, you yeah. know, like, uh, Issue 102 of uh, New Teen Titans mm -hmm. has a letter in it. And, you know, if you remember that comic, it's like Bill Jack's scar. Uh -huh. oh, it's terrible. Yeah. And, yeah, I think that's why my letter got in because no one was reading it suddenly. <laughs> I, we were yeah. – um, I, I, one of my letters is four issues before that because <laughs> mine was in issue 98. <laughs> Um, yeah, we would, I was, I was a regular letter writer as well. I didn't get as many published, but, uh, but yeah, I remember doing that 
every single month, my friend and I would write a letter. <laughs> and I still have those issues. Yeah, I, I imagine haunting my family and saying, no, don't throw out gunfire number one. It has a letter in it. My, my, <laughs> well, that, for me, that's um, damage. I think it's issue four or five has a letter from it. Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah. So <laughs> something I forgot was there until I reread that series a few years ago. And I was like, oh, that's right. I actually did write a letter to this comic. <laughs> <laughs> on, uh, Laurel Mountainflower on Twitter. She was just reading a, a letter page the other day and agreeing with a letter, and then she realized she'd written it. <laughs> I I've never come across that. Although Stella did come across a letter from Shag and an old issue of Suicide Squad that we were covering on her show once. So much show that that I met Shag in person, and I had that comic with me, and he assigned that letter as page, which. Many will tell me it was stupid because uh, it just feeds his ego. Yeah, well, what doesn't? What doesn't feed oh, yeah, his yeah, ego? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I hate Shag for getting into Suicide Squad. I wrote so many letters <laughs> for that book and never got one in. So, <sighs> yeah. All right, Tom. Well, I think we'll probably call it a chat there. Okay. So, um, thanks very much. Um, I, I do want to appreciate all the people who shout out on Twitter that they've been listening and uh, your feedback is most welcome. I will probably do some sort of feedback episode when I've got enough feedback to make that worthwhile. But, uh, yeah, if you have any suggestions for who you'd want me to talk to or what you want me to talk about, um, I'm open. I'm, I'll consider it. And, uh, yeah, I usually have the next few episodes planned ahead. But, uh, yeah, I'm looking for interesting people with interesting stories. And so, you know, sorry, Shag. <laughs> Anyway, uh, that's all for Dial F for Flanger this week. Thanks, Tom. So where can people find you if they need to uh, follow your stuff? Um, you can find me over on the Two True Freaks internet radio network at twotruefreaks.com. Um, there are three shows with my name on them. That's Required Reading with Tom and Stella, Pop Culture Affidavit, and then uh, one that I have completed. It was called In Country. It was a look at the Marvel series, The Nom. Um, I also have for, for the what we were talking about today, uh, theuncollecting.com, which you can find where I post over there. And then on Twitter, you can find me at popaff, P-O-P-A-F-F. Excellent. Well, thank you for your time. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It was really, really fun. No worries. Stay well, Tom. Yeah.